0: Okay, we are going to continue in our series this morning, um, which is all about prayer. And uh, unless you're new to us this morning, you know that we've been journeying through this for quite some time now. Over a number of weeks, this series entitled House of Prayer. And um, we know it's taken from that moment where Jesus walks into the temple and they're selling and um, all these doves and all this stuff. And he turns the tables over and he says, my house will be called a house of prayer. And we've covered so much Uh, In this series, I'm not going to go over every single detail, but it's all available uh, online via our Family Church app, family.church forward slash listen, or you can download uh, the app. If there was one uh, specific week uh, that I'd really encourage you to listen as a starting point would be the week where we talked about personal prayer, because it was really uh, practical about why we pray, how we pray, what's involved in prayer, and then when you're there, you'll probably just devour all the other teachings as well. So today we're going to continue... What we began looking at last week, if you remember and you were here, we talked about intercessory prayer, which is just a fancy word for saying that we're praying for others. And today we're going to continue in that in a very specific way. We're going to talk about praying for the sick. And the reason that I wanted to give us one whole Sunday morning to this is because it's a very important aspect of prayer, what it means to pray for others. And it's a topic that in one way or another can affect us all. And it also happens to be something, an area of teaching, that because there's been a lot of false teaching or wrong teaching over the years, as we'll speak about in a minute, it's a subject that can cause a tension within us. So you may be somebody who, like me, has prayed for people and you've seen them receive healing sometimes in dramatic, miraculous ways. I've been involved where we've prayed for somebody and they've come out of a wheelchair and never needed their wheelchair again. We've prayed for people and seen things dramatically change in their life. I love what um, Steph was sharing last week about her trip to India, where she prayed for people and her and her team were praying for people who were deaf and mute and suddenly they could hear and they could talk and, and blind eyes that were opened and so on and so on. And so we've prayed for people and seen them healed. You may have prayed for people and seen them delivered in one way or another. But you may have also prayed for someone, and that person you prayed for continued to be sick or in pain. You may have prayed for somebody believing that they would be healed, and yet they actually died of whatever it was that had a hold upon their life. You may be sat here this morning feeling chronic pain in your body, you may be sat here this morning riddled with disease, and so you question, does God still heal? And if he does, why not me? And so there's this tension in this subject when we talk about healing. And because it's been taught wrongly at times, it's been used in such a way that has caused pain, that has caused heartache, that has caused judgment, and there has plainly been, let me say this, some unbiblical things added to the word of God, And so when we talk about this this morning, it's key that, as always, the Bible remains central and truth is our foundation. Amen? So that's the angle that we're coming on from this morning. Mark chapter 16, beginning at verse 17. Mark 16, verse 17. Jesus says this um, to those disciples around him and to those who would go on to believe, you and I. He says, these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. Now, we believe that that is something that God has given us a mandate and authority to do. Now, because the demonic has been you know, brought to Hollywood and they've made these dramatic things, sometimes there's a lot of fear that's within the heart of a believer. But you need to understand that actually there may be demonic activity around you, but greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. But we don't operate in fear, yet often because of a misunderstanding or because of a neglect of correct teaching on this, we shy away from it when actually Jesus said this would be something that would happen and something that you would overcome. He goes on, he says, and you will speak in new languages. Mark spoke a great word on what it means to pray in tongues, to speak in tongues, and that's available for you to listen to as well. It says they will be able to handle snakes with safety, and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. Now, that doesn't mean, as some silly people around the world claim it to mean, that I should now get a snake out and wrap it around me and say, oh, look, I'm handling a snake and drink a bottle of poison and go, ta-da, because what will happen after I go, ta-da, is I'll drop dead. Because God isn't saying this to put God to the test. And you look around the world, you see some very wacky things. But the reality is that Jesus is talking about protection in certain situations. He's not talking about putting God... To the test and then this is the one that we know very often but often shy away from it says they will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed so today we're going to talk about praying for the sick but before we get into the practicalities of this and we're going to get practical in a moment i i want us to understand what we believe about this subject because remember as we've been journeying through this series we've said often that our view of this God that we pray to will determine how we actually pray. So before we actually talk about praying for the sick or getting an inclination to pray for those who are ill, it's important that we understand what God actually says about this and that God actually cares about this stuff. So let's look at the evidence according to God's word because what we know of God has to come from what God reveals of himself in his word. In Exodus chapter 15, God reveals himself himself to be Jehovah Rapha. Now as you look throughout the Old Testament, there's a number of names that are spoken of God, or God reveals himself to be, and they display a certain aspect of his character, if you like, of who he is. Jehovah Rapha means that he is the God who heals, evidence number one. So God in his word declares himself to be a healing God. Jesus, when he walked the earth and he went through his earthly ministry. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that he was the exact representation of the Father. What did he do when he walked around the earth? He saw people who were ill, and he prayed, and he declared them well, and they were well. Again, they demonstrated that he is a God who heals. Isaiah 53, verse 4 to 5, prophetically speaking about what Jesus would do on the cross. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Now you'll get some people who say, well no, no, that's talking about the indwelling nature of sin, but you've got to allow scripture to interpret scripture. So let's look at Matthew chapter 8 verse 17, referencing that verse from Isaiah. It says, That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying he took upon himself our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Again and again we see evidence of this. The early church in the book of Acts, one day they're being persecuted and so they come together and they pray corporately as we've talked about before, praying together. Listen to their prayer, Acts 4 verse 29 to 30. It says, And now O Lord, hear their threats. And give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Okay, so let's just pause for a moment. Let's just piece all that evidence that we have so far. God calls himself the God who heals. Jesus demonstrates to us a healing ministry. Scripture talks about God's desire to heal and how Jesus bore our sickness On the the cross. The early church prayed when they got together that God would be glorified through powerful healings and signs and wonders. Jesus said that those who follow him would lay their hands on the sick and they would recover. There's a whole bunch of truth within that. And then beyond that, experience also teaches us that God is a healing God. Right? The truth has to be our foundation, but also when we see evidence or experience of it, it stirs our faith to once again Believe. I've shared my story uh, before. I'm not going to take up a lot of time on this because I've shared it before. But suffice to say, if you don't know, I was healed from a chronic disease that I said I would have lifelong. Kirsty and I sat in front of a consultant and he said, this is a reality. You will be on medication for the rest of your life. It will affect you for the rest of your life. It is chronic. It will never leave you. In 2016 and thereabouts, I was healed in a miraculous way where to this day I have never had one single symptom and I have never had to take one form of medication since that day. We believe that God is a healing God, amen? So if that's our foundation, we believe God heals, here's your question, why does God heal? Have you ever asked yourself that before? Now that may seem a really obvious question, you say, well, it's so that the person who's sick can be made well again, and the person who's in pain isn't in pain anymore. Yes, absolutely, that's one aspect of it, but it's always actually bigger than that. You see, when someone is healed, it's always intended to glorify God. It's always intended to glorify Jesus and to point to the message Of the gospel. So, yes, of course, somebody themselves are healed and relieved of pain. They receive God's blessing. But healings are also for the common good of the church and its mission. Why? Because healing is a sign to the world out there that the kingdom of God is pushing back on the dominion of darkness. Amen? So, when somebody is healed, what we understand and what we see and what people begin to comprehend is that the kingdom of God is advancing and taking back ground that was stolen by the enemy until we get to that place of complete redemption in heaven where the Bible says that there is no more pain, there are no more tears, there is no sickness. And so that's a demonstration that we see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. It's always bigger than the individual healing. You see that in the book of Acts. Now another thing we need to understand, again just laying this foundation because this is so important, we need to understand that God wants us to be in health, but not just physically. God wants us to be restored and in health, spirit, soul, and body. 1 Thessalonians 5:23. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. So God wants us to be in health spiritually. Do you know that that's the most important aspect of health that you can have? That God wants us to be in a place where we go from being dead in our sins, because that was the reality before we gave our lives to Jesus, dead in our sins, to being made alive in Christ. That's the most important healing that a person could ever receive, that they would be spiritually whole and made well again. But he also wants us healthy in the soul of who we are. God doesn't want you just healthy in your body and in your spirit. He also wants you to be emotionally healthy. The Bible talks about that a whole lot. But then he also wants us to be healthy in our body, that we would be physically healthy. So when we pray for the sick, we're going to talk about that in a minute. When you pray for the sick, know that God doesn't just want them healthy in their body. He wants them healthy and whole, spirit, soul, and body. Amen? So in a moment, we're going to look at the practicalities of praying for the sick, because as I said, this whole series has not been just about theory, right? We're not talking about just being a house of prayer. We want to actually be a house of prayer, not just talk about it. The reality is a lot of Christians talk a whole lot about prayer, but it would be far better if they actually did a whole lot of praying. So we don't want a series, and when we get to it at the end in December and we go, there we go, we're not going to pack this away and go, well, wasn't that nice? It filled a bit of gap of time on Sunday mornings. What should we do now? Right. This is about God creating us to be a house of prayer and us pulling into practice what we have spoken about. But before we look at the practical outworking of this, we need to speak about the obvious tension, the obvious difficulty, sometimes the objection that rises up within us, something that you may have been thinking about over the last 10 minutes as I've been sharing of God being a healing God. And that is this thought of unanswered prayer. And I can't teach this without actually talking about unanswered prayer because the reality is for every wonderful story that there is of God doing a mighty miracle and we praise him for that, there is also another story alongside that of a person who didn't receive their healing, who who remains in pain, who actually died instead of rising from their bed, where someone continues to wait for the answers to their prayers. Many of you know... Pete Gregg, whether by person or by name, he's the founder of 24-7 Prayer, an incredible prayer movement that has gone all around the world. And so Pete, as the head of 24-7 Prayer, has seen so many amazing miracles, so many amazing healings all around the world and Asia and the Western world and seen so many things happen in people's lives where they've received miraculous healings in one moment or sometimes over a period of time, whatever it might have been. And so he's seen all of this and yet this tension is in his life that his wife continues to be in ill health. A number of years ago, there was a massive brain tumour that she had. They prayed, uh, and and it was able to be operated on. They removed this brain tumour, but she continues to suffer from epilepsy and ill health. And so there is, at times, this tension within us. Now, the worst thing you can do when somebody is awaiting their healing, or the worst thing you can do when you're speaking to somebody whose loved one passed when they were believing for a healing miracle, is to give cheap answers. Can we be a church that mature enough away from giving cheap answers? The worst thing you can do is to judge people. And I've seen far too many people, because of the insecurities within them, that they will go and they'll pray for someone who's sick. And when that person isn't healed in the way that they thought they might... Because of the insecurities within them, here's what they do. They get out this great big baseball bat called lack of faith and they club people over the head with it. Some of you have experienced that pain. Some of you may, in this moment, be shrinking back and thinking, actually, ouch, I've been in that moment where, because of my insecurities, I've spoken those things over people. So much damage can be done with us. Now it's true that there are reasons the Bible talks about why healing sometimes doesn't yet manifest itself. It talks of unforgiveness, demonic activity, doubt, delusion. But if all these things have been dealt with and there still hasn't been healing, or the healing hasn't yet manifested itself, then we must learn to trust the sovereignty of God. Now here's the problem. For too many people, that seems like a cheap answer. And so they go looking for things that aren't there. They go adding to Scripture things that aren't there but we either believe the word of God or not as Mark spoke about when we talked about praying for people to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and believing to receive the gift of tongues when we've been prayed for we thank God that he's done it we don't add to it we don't say well maybe it's because of this or maybe it's because of that we walk in agreement with what the Bible says so what do we do when we're not yet seeing healing we believe that the miracle is still going to happen we pray like the miracle can still happen because it can and in In the meantime, between there and here, we learn to trust God and His ways and know that He is good and He is true. And He is not a man that He would lie. I shared about my journey. I wasn't healed the first time I was prayed for. I wasn't healed the first time I fasted. I wasn't healed the first time I cried out to God and said, Why is this happening? I wasn't healed. It was a journey to that, but when it happened, it was instantaneous. No, I don't have all the answers. I can't stand here and say, well, it was because of this, or it was because of that. And people try and go in search of those things, but we have to let the Bible do the talking. This is so key. Otherwise, when we learn to pray for the sick, we've got to do so with confidence, and we've got to learn that God is a healing God who, by the way, heals naturally, medically, and supernaturally. I've shared this before, that we believe God heals naturally. God has designed the body to be able to heal itself. That's the amazing creatures and people that he's called us and made us to be. We believe that God also heals medically. Now don't mishear me. We are a people of faith. We are fundamental in our belief that God is a healing God. We are a people of faith. But that doesn't mean that we ignore or we cast aside or we belittle the medical profession. Right? Come on, Chris. As I said to you before, if somebody says that, if somebody says to you, well, you're a Christian, you're a person of faith, you shouldn't use a doctor, then a great response I've heard once before is say to that person, okay, the next time your car breaks down, I guess you won't be using the mechanic, right? Come on, because those same people, I'll, I'll give them time if they stand over there and put their hands on their head gasket and say, be healed in Jesus' name. I'm not going to take this to a mechanic. Come on, let's not get silly with this. God has given wisdom to people. But this is the one that I love. God also, we absolutely believe, heals supernaturally. And that healing, that supernatural healing, is sometimes instantaneous and other times it's progressive. Luke 17, 14, when Jesus saw them talking about the lepers, he said to them, go and show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were miraculously healed and made clean. Mark chapter 8, Jesus anoints and prays for a man twice before his healing. Is perfected. So if healing doesn't happen at once, we keep asking, we keep praying for faith, and we keep drawing closer to God. Okay. So having dealt with the fundamentals, having laid a, a foundation, let's begin to talk about the practicalities of this. And I know that this is a huge topic. We could be here for 12 weeks just talking about this one subject. But let me just point out some of the things as we look at making this practical for us. And the first thing is this. But we have to deal with doubt. And you say, well, hang, hang on a minute. Just a minute ago, you said that lack of faith has been used to club people around the head and made them feel guilty. And yes, at times, it's been wrongly used to bring people to a place of shame. We should never go in that direction. But at the same time, we should ask ourselves honestly, do I believe in what God can do? Do we believe God loves to give good gifts to his children, including healing? Do we have the boldness to ask God in faith? Do we maybe avoid praying for healing because deep down we don't believe God is going to do it or sometimes it didn't happen last time around and so we don't want to look powerless. We don't want that person to be disappointed. We don't want to make God look bad and so we hold back from actually praying for people. We have to be honest and deal with these questions because if we're struggling with doubt, then what's the best thing we can do? We go to God and say, God... I'm being honest here. I'm struggling with this area of my life and believe, Would you give me faith to believe that when I lay my hands on the sick, they will recover because it's not about me. It's about you working through me. Come on, let's deal with honesty this morning. I love the, the guy who says to Jesus, Jesus says to him, do you believe? He says, oh, yeah, I believe. Would you help my unbelief? In other words, Jesus, absolutely, I know you can do this. I believe you can do this. But there's areas of doubt in my life. Would you help me to overcome those areas of doubt? So we deal with doubt in our own lives. Sometimes that's brushing off the disappointment of before. Sometimes it's getting real with God and saying, God, I don't understand this, but I know that the next time I lay my hand on the sick or I pray for that person, I am fully believing that they will be healed. We deal with doubt within ourselves. But then we also have to help the person we are praying for to be in faith, especially if this is brand new to them. You're talking to a neighbor. They've never heard of a God who heals. We have to help them to go from doubt to faith. That doesn't mean you stand and preach a 40-minute message. They would have gone by then. right? It might mean that you just share, oh, the Bible says this one thing about healing. Or you share an experience. Remember, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we help people to journey from doubt to faith by sharing scripture experience as we prepare to pray. Now, here's a massively key one as we then Go to pray for that person we need to understand that we don't heal anyone God does do we believe that this morning we don't heal anyone God does Jesus said in John 14:10Do you not believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? for words I say to you I do not say on my own initiative or authority but the Father abiding continually in me does his works he's attesting miracles and acts of power God heals we don't we just get the privilege of ministering to and praying for the sick so this takes the pressure off you because it isn't about your special prayer technique okay it isn't about how many times you can say Jesus in the prayer it isn't about the order that you pray the prayer in it's nothing to do with the articulation of your prayer it's about God working through us only the creator who works through us has the ability to in Acts chapter 3, there's a moment where Peter and John are going to the temple and they see a, a, a crippled beggar and he looks at them and, he, and they say to him, in the name of Jesus Christ, and I say, get up and walk. And they help him to his feet. And in that moment, obviously a crowd gathers because they're like, well, hang on, isn't that the guy who was lame a minute ago? And so a crowd gathers and it says this in Acts 3 verse 12. Peter saw this opportunity as he always did and he addressed the crowd. He said, people of Israel, what's so surprising about this? Come on, that's where we've got to get in church, right? That when people are sick and we pray for them, they're instantly healed, and we say, what's so surprising about this? This is what God does. What's so surprising about this? And why stare at us as though we have made this man walk by our own power or godliness? For it is is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is the God of all our ancestors who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. So we can be ourselves in prayer. We don't have to have a certain qualification to be able to pray for the sick. Are you grateful for that this morning? The only qualification is faith, which means that when you pray, be yourself. We've talked about this in prayer already, but sometimes I say, oh, I'm going to pray for somebody. I say, can you just come pray for, for this person? We're going to pray for this person, believe for them to be healed. And at times in the past, I've been like, who just turned up here? Because all of a sudden, the person that I knew who goes to pray suddenly puts on this weird voice or accent of a, Hey, uh, Jesus! And I'm like, who are you? What are you doing? Because we suddenly think that we have to perform in order to move the hand of God in this area of healing. The Bible says that faith is the currency. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's the prayer of faith that heals the sick. It's not the prayer of the eloquent. It's not the prayer of the most intellectual. It's the prayer of faith that heals the sick. So it's God who heals, not about your special prayer technique. And yet at the same time, let me say this. You can only give out of what you have. What do I mean by that? In order to have an outflow of healing, there must be an inflow of provision and ability. That's why I love what Steph shared last week, that when she said about all the healings they were seeing, she said that in the morning we were preparing our hearts for what God was going to do through us, that there's an inflow. Listen, any time that we minister, and by the way, when I say minister, all of us in this room are ministers. Not just me because I've got a microphone and I'm stood on a platform. You are a minister of God in your workplace. You are a minister of God in your street. You are a minister of God in your family. All ministry is the result of the overflow of your relationship with God which means we should be ready at any given moment to pray for people who need healing. We shouldn't need a worship service. It shouldn't be like, oh yeah, I'm going to pray for my neighbor, but first I need to go to church, we're going to get you know, hyped up, and then I'm going to pray for that person. We should be ready in and out of season. But in that moment, in Acts chapter 3, they're walking to the temple, they're just living ordinary lives. We don't even know what the conversation is happening in that moment. But they get to this man, and they don't need to have a worship service in that moment. They don't need to suddenly whip themselves up. They look at him and they say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And he walked. They were just living life. But here were the two key ingredients. They were full of the Holy Spirit. And they were ready to be used by him at any given moment. And so they get to Gate Beautiful. They see this man. He looks up at them just expecting some loose change. And they say, we don't have any money. Silver and gold I do not have. But in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. You see, when you're living filled with the Holy Spirit, and ready to be used by him, God can use you anywhere, at any time, on any given day. You still with me this morning? I know this is a hard subject. Now when you pray, especially when it's in a bit of a different setting, I want to encourage you in this practical application as well. Be sensitive to God, be sensitive to the person, and be sensitive to your surroundings. So that's very practical. Yeah, it is because Think about where you are. If you are in a place where the person is uncomfortable, if you are in a place where the person is embarrassed or fearful or angry, it will be difficult for them to receive. It won't be impossible, but it won't be quite as easy. And the way that you pray for a person may be dependent or determined by your location and your relationship with them. Right, So for example, when you pray for somebody in church who you know is a believer and we're praying for their healing, it may look different to how you are, not in performance or words like I said earlier, but how you pray for a coworker who isn't yet saved that you want to pray for their healing. Your approach in a hospital room may be different to a busy shopping center. We need to be sensitive to where we are, what's going on around us. Otherwise, the person we're ministering to or praying for will close up in that moment. Also, as you pray, listen to the Holy Spirit. Do you know you can hear the Holy Spirit? It's not just pastors who hear the Holy Spirit. Every single believer who is filled with the Holy Spirit can hear the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit may give you a picture or a word as you're praying for that person. And I've learned to just go with it. Because sometimes you think, what on earth does that mean? You say it and the person, tears just come down because you've just unlocked something. In fact, you haven't. The Holy Spirit in you has unlocked something in them. So listen to the Holy Spirit in that moment. But let's be people who pray for others rather than just sympathizing with them. Right? You know when you're talking to a neighbor or you're talking to a colleague or you're talking to somebody and they say, I've, I've had these migraines for, for years or I've got this pain or I've got this... And so often we can say, oh, oh, I'm so sorry for you. Let's not just be people who sympathize or empathize with people, though that's important. But let's also have the bravery and cut off the fear of man in order to say, do you know what, I believe in a healing God, do you mind if I just pray for you? The worst they can say is no. And then in your walking away, you can still pray for that person, right? But what if they say yes? And what if they get healed? And what if it opens the door to something far greater in their life? Here's another point. Be bold and confident, yet also gentle. The two are true at the same time. So we pray with confidence. As I said, Hebrews says, without faith it's impossible to please God. We need to be confident in our righteousness. We've got to be confident in our access to God. We've got to be confident that God is a God who heals and he is true to his word. Because the anointing will not flow from your life out of a place of guilt or fear of insecurity. So we've got to pray with boldness. We've got to speak the uncompromising word of God. And yet at the same time, we've got to be incredibly gentle to the person that we're ministering to. Why? Because here's my next point. People are not projects. Can I just encourage you, if you take nothing else away from today as your pastor, can I implore you to remember this, people are not projects. And I say that because I've spoken to people about praying for healing and I've done something like this on a Sunday morning and then you see people fired up and they go out and what they do is they see a sick person and think, here's my moment, here's my moment, this is my project, this is what Pastor Steve was talking about. No, no, they are people, they are God's People who need to be handled with care. The Bible so often says that when Jesus went to heal the person, he had compassion on them. He didn't see them as a pet project. They weren't a healing project. They were a person and he had compassion on them. Compassion speaks of a deep emotion. And the danger sometimes is that when people pray for the sick, they've made it more about them than the person they're praying for in the glory of God. When you pray for somebody to be healed, it doesn't have to be dramatic. In fact, it probably shouldn't be dramatic. Now, now, the outcomes of that may well be dramatic because of the healing that takes place. But you look at the life of Jesus. He didn't create drama. In fact, many times, don't even tell anyone this has happened. He kept drama to a minimum. It's Satan who's the glitzy showman. It's Satan who wants to say, look at me. And so any time, listen to me, any time you see something happen in the realm of healing where it's the person who's being put on the pedestal and not Jesus Christ, beware of counterfeits. Because God hasn't called us to raise ourselves up. He's called us to humbly step back and give Jesus the Glory. So when you pray for somebody, you are healed. It doesn't mean you walk around your workplace saying, Oh, I prayed for I prayed for I prayed for so did you know that person was having migraines, they don't have them anymore. I prayed for them. We walk around saying, Jesus healed that person. We don't even tell people that we're the ones who prayed for them. Jesus healed that person. Isn't Jesus Christ? Jesus healed that person. People are not projects. And here's the final point I want to make. And Helen, you can come up. We're going to pray in a moment. The greatest healing is salvation. right? The greatest healing, we've got to understand this, is salvation. Do I believe God heals physically? Absolutely. Do I believe it's always God's intention to heal? Absolutely. Do I believe that when I lay my hands on a sick, I believe that they'll recover? Absolutely. I don't pray for people thinking, mm, will he, won't he? I'm in absolute faith that God will heal when I pray for somebody. Not because of me, but because of him and his goodness but the greatest healing is salvation. And so here's my final point. When you pray for somebody, because I I want you to step out of here this week and not go around like, you know, with a cape on, believing that you're going to make projects out of people, but I want you to walk out of here today saying, I can do this too. I can do this too. And let me say this. If you today are ill, you can pray for people and see them healed. Nothing disqualifies you from God using your life I really want you to hear that today because let me tell you again reality I was ill Trusty would tell I was ill I'd pray for people that would receive healing now I'd pray about that and go okay God what's going on here But nothing stopped, because it's not about you. It's not about whether you're ill. It's not about whether you've only been a Christian one week. It's not about whether over the last five years you've been lukewarm. It's not about you. Sorry, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. It's about God working through your life. So I I need you to hear this, that when we end this service today, nothing disqualifies you from being used by God. Because otherwise it's about us, and it's not. It's about Him. Let me say this. The greatest healing is salvation. When we pray for people, to me, there's not an absolute joy in my heart if I see them healed physically, yet they're still dead in their sins. I'm thankful that they're not in pain anymore. But we should be desiring, number one, that they are healed spiritually and go from being dead in their sins to being made alive in Christ. The greatest healing is salvation. So when you pray for somebody who is sick or in pain, especially if you don't know where they stand with God and you're like, I don't even know if this person believes, always bring the gospel into the moment. Always ask, in a real simple way that's just true to you, say to them, do, do you know God? Where do you stand with God? Are you a follower? Of However you term it, okay, don't get weird again. Just be yourself. And having prayed for that person, ask them where they stand with God because the greatest healing salvation so here's the application we're going to begin to pray for the sick we're not going to make drama out of it we're not going to make it about us but we are going to understand we've been commissioned you know i was going to say that this week i commission you to go out and pray for the sick but i don't need to commission you jesus has already done it i'm encouraging you to go out and pray for the sick but let me give you a word of warning as your pastor as well Because as I said, healing is a demonstration of Satan's demise. Every time we see healing, we see the enemy having to take a step back. So let me say this, and this is true about healing, this is true about any area of your life where you are getting serious with God. Let me give you a word of warning. He will oppose you wherever he can. So just as It comes to sharing the gospel, just as it comes to getting serious about God, just as it comes when you say, I'm going to seek God's kingdom first. You know what happens. Be prepared for the enemy to come at you with self-doubt, with confusion, with accusations, with fears, with discouragement. Why? Because you've chosen to step out in faith. And he's scared of what you're going to do as you take ground. And because of that, we often have to push for a season of adversity before we come to a place of breakthrough. In our lives and things begin to change. When we pray for healing, we are praying, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we won't understand everything. And you're not gonna have answers for everything. If you do, then come talk to me afterwards because you're amazing. You're not gonna have answers for everything. We're not going to this side of heaven. But we can know for sure that God is willing and able to heal and that he calls us to pray for those who are suffering. He calls us to trust. He calls us to be persistent. He calls us to pray a prayer of praise and thanksgiving before we've even seen anything come to pass in our lives. Why? So that ultimately he can be glorified and the gospel can be spread. Let's pray this morning and There's a few things I want to do this morning. They're not going to take long, but in a moment I'm going to invite anybody who's never received spiritual healing. What do I mean by that? You've never given your life to Jesus, or you're not sure that you've ever done this properly. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do just that. Then I'm going to pray for every single person in this place that you would go into your world and know that you can... Lay your hands on the sick and receive and recover. You can pray for people, even if every the other side of the world and God is outside of time and space, and He can heal them. And then what we're going to do is we're going to do tea and coffee and. Just hang out and have some time together. I encourage you not to rush off. But if you say, I I want to be prayed for this morning, I can't preach a message like this and then not give an opportunity for people to be prayed for. So just while people go and collect their kids and have tea and coffee and all that kind of stuff, if you just come to the front, just as we did when we prayed for people to receive the Holy Spirit, we're just going to have a a group of people down here. We're just going to pray for you. We're not going to make a drama out of it. We're not going to scream at you. We're just going to pray for you that God would heal you and be true to his word in that moment. But let me first start off by those in this place who you have never said yes to God. The greatest healing you can have in your life, the most important one, the one that everything else doesn't matter until you get this right, that you can have a relationship with God through the person of Jesus Christ. If you've never made a decision, you've never said, I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to give my life to him. I want this life of abundance that the Bible speaks of. If you've never accepted his forgiveness that he died on the cross for you to receive, and you say, today I want to do that, then I'm going to invite you to do something really simple this morning. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I'm going to be able to pray for you in this moment. Would you just, in this moment, just raise your hand if that's you, and you can just put it back down. But you say, yeah, for the first time, I want a relationship with Jesus, or I want to come back in the relationship with Jesus, In a moment, we're going to pray for others. But before we do so, I really want to give this opportunity. If there's anybody here today and you say, yeah, that's me. I need to be made right with God. or I want to come back into relationship with God this morning. Then here's your opportunity before we pray for everybody in this place today. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Okay. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is truth. And Lord, truth overrides experience. Lord, for every single person in this place, Lord, who's struggling with doubt, who's still in that place of of grief over different things and and disappointment and heartache, Lord, I, I thank you that your Holy Spirit is so gentle and kind and good. And Lord, I thank you that you, through your Holy Spirit, would bring them to that place of strengthening in their faith. Lord, for anybody in that category, Lord, may they pray just as the man said to Jesus, I do believe, help my unbelief. But Lord, may we walk out of this place today, Lord, and over the coming weeks as we deal with those things, Lord, with a, just a confidence in your word, a confidence in your truth. And Lord, I thank you that you're going to begin to use people in this place. I thank you that the people in this room this morning are going to get such an excitement in their heart, not because of themselves, but because of you working through their lives. Holy Spirit, will you be true to your word? Holy Spirit, will you work through us, not just this week, but in the coming months and years until the day we see you face to face, Jesus. I thank you that you would be glorified. Lord, I I declare a time of just healing and signs and wonders. But Lord, we're not going to be a church that just gets too excited about the signs and wonders. We're going to get excited about the God who ordained those signs and wonders. Jesus, I thank you that you break the fear of man of people today. I thank You that there would be a confidence that rises up within them of Your Word and Your truth. I thank You that they would hear the sound of heaven declare that they are not disqualified this morning, that every single person who is a follower of Jesus, You have qualified us through what You have done, not what we have done. So Lord, I thank You that Your Son has commissioned us to pray for the sick and the oppressed See them healed, set free, and delivered once and for all. Thank you, Lord, for your glory we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, let's just give him praise this morning.